About this film, Rick Groen of Globe and Mail says the director might have made a brilliant picture if he followed through. Seems he just couldn't bear to look a gift wolf in the mouth. Hal Hinson of the Washington Post calls it a sometimes shaky, always enchanting Beauty and the Beast story for grown-ups that is the very essence of smart fun. Droll, sophisticated, and surprisingly pleasantly light. And Letterboxd user Shut Up Mike Ginn says, I was the guy in charge of scaring the horses during this movie, and buddy, let me tell you, I was busy. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Wolf. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters, and welcome to Ruined Childhoods. I'm Dan. Hey, and I'm John. Dan, are you are you feeling extra wolfy tonight or what? I'm feeling hairy. I'm feeling like ooh, the the. I was gonna say the moon is out, but it it is not out. And uh, if it was out, it wouldn't be full. But I don't care. Because we're talking about we werewolves. We are talking about werewolves, specifically, I guess, mostly 1994's uh, Mike Nichols film, Wolf. And Dan, I believe that you also wanted to yeah. talk about, uh, is it just called Wolfman? The Wolfman. The Wolfman. Gotcha. Man. Not just any Wolfman. The Wolfman, which actually, which which does make, make sense, considering the... Uh... Uh, considering the the plot, because it's it is more or less a remake of the nineteen forty forty one. Yeah, uh, but Dan, I gotta tell you, it took me a few sittings to finish Wolf because it's long and it sucks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you uh, didn't like it? Was this your this first time seeing Wolf? First time seeing Wolf. And I, you know, I had, I remember when it came out, I remember the, the poster for it. It must've just been at Blockbuster during a time in my life when I remembered what everything looked like in Blockbuster. And I, I don't know, there's just so much about it that I feel like I, I knew without having actually seen it. And I gotta say there were, there were times when I was watching Wolf where I was just thinking, how did how did this happen? Who let this movie happen? It is bananas. Well, you've got a top-notch director in Mike Nichols. You've got Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer starring. Uh, so it's an interesting movie. So we're talking. So this is 1994, uh, summer 1994. Wolf comes out. And is probably like the last, maybe not the last like big budget blockbuster werewolf movie, but the last one that I think like actually did did well. There was the American Werewolf. Unless in London, you're counting, in, uh, not not London. Unless in you're Paris. counting the Twilight movies, right? But I yeah, and those those are movies that involve werewolves. I mean, same thing with Underworld, right? right. 
with the Underworld movies. But I, I think I want to I want to stick here to like the strictly werewolf movies, not not like Abbott and Costello meet me. Strictly the werewolf, werewolf. Uh, wasn't that a, uh, a Baz Luhrmann movie? Yeah, strictly. Oh man, shit! I didn't even think about it. But talk about who I would love to see do a wolf, a werewolf movie. It would be I, something. Like, we're putting the cart before the horse here. But a Baz Luhrmann werewolf movie. Oh, that oh, would you be know, amazing. I haven't seen Elvis yet, but neither have most people. I, I def, I, I was, I wanted to see it. It look, I really, I enjoy what Baz Luhrmann does. I don't always love the end product and I didn't even see Australia. Right. But uh, I, I I thought I was very excited to see what he would do with this Elvis movie, especially considering that Austin Butler who plays Elvis. You know, it doesn't look like they're going for a right. traditional biographical film here, which makes sense because it's Baz Luhrmann. So anyway, you know, Dan, I was, I was watching some of his TikToks. I'm talking Baz Luhrmann here. And he was just doing the, you know, stuff I can and was, you know, TikToking about it. And uh, he pronounced his name Baz Luhrmann. And it really threw me. I was like, I mean, it is your name. I trust your pronunciation of your own name. But I, I refuse to believe that it's not Baz Luhrmann. I guess it's, I guess it's that like Australian thing that Baz Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann. But but if that's the way he pronounces his name, that's shouldn't his name. we all be doing the same yeah, way? Yeah, it's gonna take some adjusting, and no one will believe me. So I'll be like, but I saw it on a TikTok. <laughs> well, you saw it on his TikTok. So. I saw it on his TikTok. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, you know, and it's him saying his name. So there's there, there's some more credibility than than just like yeah no bill gates is trying to microchip us i saw it on a tiktok uh yeah exactly no like if you saw it on bill gates's tiktok where he said yes i'm putting microchips into vaccines then it, it would have more credibility right so okay so getting back to wolf when you because i remember i saw it when it came out so at the westfield rialto in new jersey of course and uh-huh. uh i remember I liked it, but I didn't like it. As with most Mike Nichols films that I, when I saw them first, I felt like, uh, all right, there's something missing here. There's something that, that I'm not connecting with yet and something that I'm not seeing. And you get that with a lot of Mike Nichols movies. I get that with, I mean, I would say the exceptions being the birdcage. Right. Uh, primary colors, being an exception and although I and I would even say like the graduate like the first few times I saw it same thing where it's like but it does feel like all right there's something there is something here there's something here but I'm just not connecting with it and I definitely felt that way about wolf until my most recent viewing which I did not really watch it in one uh, in one sitting, but not because... Just, yeah, it's just long because, and it sucks. Well, yeah, no, but that's not the reason why I didn't watch it in one sitting. <laughs> it was, you know, time did, did not permit. But on the most recent viewing, I, I watched it as a comedy. Really? And it, it doesn't sound like you're going to go back and watch Wolf again anytime soon, if ever. But if you do... 
watch it as a remember Elaine May is an uncredited screenwriter on this. Um, is she? She is. Oh man, she is, and it's. I I feel like coming back to it and watching it after learning a lot more about Elaine May, and and I guess by extension Mike Nichols as well. But learning more about the two of them and what their goals were with films and looking at Wolf as more of a, almost a satire. Well, it works. I, okay. Okay. Here's what I will say to that. Uh, Not to say that you're wrong in, in, you know, we don't know what the intentions were of Mike Nichols, but from what I have read, it's that this is a movie that Jack Nicholson wanted to be made for quite a while. And I think that Mike Nichols, uh, I read somewhere that he had wanted in the final scene for Michelle Pfeiffer to be wearing a red hoodie, you know, little, yeah, you know, little red riding hood action over there. Yeah. And she said that it would hurt the credibility of the film. So it is possible that there was a, uh, a divide between the vision of Mike Nichols and the vision of the actors who maybe wanted to make it more of a serious thing. Because, I mean, if you think about James Spader, James Spader played that as James Spadery as any James Spader could have played that. Oh, and it's, I mean, I, I love it. I, I love James Spader in in that role. But don't you think Nicholson is kind of like, I don't want to say he's playing it for laughs, but like, I don't think so. No, I think that he really seriously wanted to make a werewolf movie and really put his all into it. The things that took me out of this movie are the age difference between Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That really, really took me out of it. And it's possible that, like, you know, he intended for this to be made when he was a younger person. So just envisioned a young actress in that part and not somebody at a comparable age to him. But I don't know how much say he had in casting. Well, which is interesting because the actress who plays his wife, Kate Nelligan, there's much less of an age difference. Absolutely. No, she seems age appropriate. And she's fantastic. She is great. Uh, I have no complaints here. Uh, no complaints from uh, for Christopher Plummer. And actually, it, it's countered because she's quite a bit older than James Spader. And Absolutely. The two of no, them. That, so. Well, that's, that is an interesting part of it, too. All right. So here, why don't I do a little yeah, synopsis? Yeah. And before I uh, read this, I will tell you, I was writing a synopsis, and it was getting so convoluted that I was just like, absolutely screw this i am going to copy and paste from wikipedia so if you want to follow along <laughs> open wikipedia.com slash wolf slash too long and sucks all right and this is Will why Rand- this is why wikipedia is not a credible source kids because you can just <laughs> that probably john could have logged in and made that the the posting the me. url yeah okay will randall is bitten by a black wolf he accidentally struck while driving home in vermont Afterwards, he gets demoted from editor-in-chief of a publishing house when it gets taken over by tycoon Raymond Alden, who replaces him with Will's protege, Stuart Swinton. 
Will discovers that Stuart had begged Raymond for the job behind Will's back and suspects that Stuart is having an affair with his wife Charlotte after he smells Stuart's scent on her clothes. Will bites Stuart on the hand while entering his apartment and rushes to the room to find Charlotte half-naked. His worst fears are confirmed, and he leaves without saying a word. Will becomes more aggressive as he starts taking on the characteristics of a wolf. With the help of Raymond's headstrong daughter, Laura, Will sets out for his new life. His first werewolf transformation takes place at Laura's estate, where he wakes up at night and hunts down a deer. In the morning, Will finds himself on the bank of a stream with blood all over his face and hands. He visits Dr. Vijav Alijas, who gives him an amulet to protect him from turning completely into a wolf. Pretty convenient, right? However, he cannot persuade Will to infect him. That night, Will transforms into a werewolf again. He breaks into the zoo and steals handcuffs from a policeman. David Schwimmer. Muggers want his wallet, but Will attacks and bites the fingers off one of them. He the wakes one up where in Ross his hotel. gets attacked by a werewolf. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. He wakes up in his hotel with no memory of what happened. The one where Ross's handcuffs get stolen by a werewolf. <laughs> Will organizes a mutiny of writers who threaten to leave the publishing house unless he is retained as editor-in-chief. Raymond agrees, and Will's first act is to fire Stuart, urinating on his shoes in a bathroom and claiming he is marking his territory. Dan, I see where you think that he's th- playing it for comedy there for sure. While washing his hands, Will finds the fingers in his, in his handkerchief and realizes that he has wounded someone. He cuffs himself to a radiator in his hotel room, but Laura arrives and downplays his belief that he is a werewolf. The next morning, Detective Bridger knocks on Will's door to inform him that Charlotte was found dead in Central Park with canine DNA on her. Will wonders if he murdered Charlotte, but does not know that it was actually Stuart who killed her. Believing Will is a murderer, Laura goes to the police station. There, she runs into Stuart, who makes an animal-like pass at her, while sporting increasingly obvious werewolf traits. Laura hurries away, making arrangements for her and Will to leave the country. After killing two guards at the estate, Stuart corners Laura in the barn with intention to sexually assault her, but Will intervenes after discarding the amulet, restraining him, and the two fight. In the end, Stuart is shot to death by Laura after getting heavily mauled by Will. Still, in a half-human state, Will has a brief moment with Laura and then runs into the forest before anyone can, else can arrive. Minutes later, spoiler, Laura herself shows heightened senses when the police arrive, telling Bridger that she can smell vodka on his breath before taking her, before taking her leave. The final scene is a close-up of her face and of Will finally turning into a full wolf howling for Laura. Then it goes back to Laura's face as her eyes become wolf-like, hitting that she herself is transforming into a werewolf. Dan, there are a lot of people who are drinking on the job in the daytime in this movie. That's the thing that they always smell. is like, ooh, vodka this early in the morning? Mm. Tequila well, in your coffee? I, but and that, that's that's part of the satirical element, I, I think, is that... Uh, you know, you know, everybody is putting all of this, like their jobs are so important, but they need to drink to get through their day. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole, like the, the smelling, the, the drinks and stuff like that, that feels very Elaine May to me. I can see that when we're, when we're kind of talking about this. Uh, yeah. And by the way, this is clearly not written by me. Mine would be a lot funnier. There'd be so many more puns. 
In uh, mine, so in mine, uh, I it's too bad I deleted it, but I was basically saying that, uh, you know, Will's job as editor in chief is taken from him by PYT Stuart Swinton. And then he later finds out that his wife is uh, sleeping with PYT Stuart Swinton. So something like that. Of course. Yeah. And it's and uh, it's so funny to think of like James Spader as the pretty young thing. But like in this movie, it it, it plays. Totally, totally. And, and I love that scene in the police station where he's just kind of it's also like once you get bitten by a werewolf, apparently like you're you're okay wearing like sweats out in public. Uh, when yeah. you're an, a publishing executive, I actually I find as we're talking about it and as I'm thinking about my ro- most recent viewing, a movie that I I kind of connect this to is American Psycho. In that, huh. in that okay. kind of it, it, it's that uh, that I don't know if it's a deconstruction of these you know the the, the things that that. Uh, people, especially, you know, wealthy white men do to preserve their their status or to flaunt their status. So, yeah, I mean, another thing that, you know, the more I'm thinking about the Elaine May of this all, the more I am seeing ways in which her imprint could be on this, because I feel like a lot of what this movie has is all about, you know, toxic masculinity and uh, male ego. And Mm -hmm. it isn't until the end where Laura is turned into a werewolf that it really kind of uh, moves away from that. But the whole idea of people being like after each other's jobs and, you know, just sniping at each other in that way I can see how the werewolf metaphor can work. And also with uh, with the relationship with Will's wife and then also with Laura, uh, I can understand where that could really just be a metaphor for uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean, and, and the werewolf story, I think traditionally has been used as as metaphor i mean most horror movies there's there's metaphor especially in things like the the wolf man and dracula well we're forgetting one where it represents puberty teen wolf right well yeah yes exactly exactly teen uh yeah so the representation in uh yeah in teen wolf uh uh representing like you said puberty um uh, American Werewolf in uh, actually American Werewolf in London doesn't really play play up on that. What American Were- have you ever seen American Werewolf in London? No, I'm, a, I'm uh, embarrassed to say. I mean, I hadn't seen it until recently. I had seen parts of it, um, and it it does what I like. What what I would one of the elements that I'm like it's not necessary in a werewolf movie, but it helps is being set on the moors, the English moors. Oh, the moors. Great set, great setting for werewolves. Um, in fact, I think I was watching uh, a more recent werewolf film, The Cursed. And that has a more it's it's either set on the moors or a moorish 
terrain. But yeah, just that that deep fog. Yeah. Uh, and that the, the mystery of of what's out there. So American Werewolf in London does that uh, does that really well. American Werewolf in London though is also satirical and in in many ways very funny. Griffin Dunn. Uh, love Griffin Dunn. Yeah. If you love Griffin, Griffin Dunn, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Griffin Dunn and, and David Naughton. And there's some pretty funny, uh, funny scenes in, in that there's like one where like Griffin Dunn's been mauled, but he's like still alive and he's talking like having a normal conversation. (laughs) Uh, and, and it's very, it's just very Griffin Dunn. So that, um, that was very good. And to, but to come back to to Wolf for a moment here, I do I do agree I do agree and I'm agreeing with something that hasn't been said but it's kind of the unspoken thing here is that it it really shouldn't take several viewings and like film like an education on film history to uh you know to understand the movie and and appreciate it and I think what you have with with Wolf is just kind of this troubling, like it's marketed as a thriller. It's got the personnel of a comedy, but then again, Mike Nichols wasn't has not strictly been a comedy director, right? So it's not like you see, oh, Mike Nichols, oh, it's going to be, it's, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, oh, oh, David Zucker presents the Wolfman. Right. Like, oh, that's got to be. Exactly. Fun. I, I almost said Jerry and then I remembered he did Ghost. So, uh. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that uh, looking at um, Mike Nichols' filmography as a director, uh, I'd say that there's a, there's mostly comedic turns in in films even if they're not straight up comedies uh the exceptions that i'm noticing are like regarding henry um even things like charlie wilson's war had some comedic elements to it but not as not so much uh i mean like regarding henry there were certainly some like pretty funny moments but they weren't like haha funny they were funny in the con- sense of just like oh this guy who got shot in the head is learned is, is just said ritz yeah. crackers and they're happy about it no i i wouldn't consider that a comedy at all who's afraid of virginia wolf like mike nichols direct which is the pre which debut. is the, which is the first in the wolf series from mike nichols oh oh damn how did i not that <laughs> connection but yes yes uh so yeah who's afraid of virginia wolf and but and then there's those other weird movies like The Graduate it that Mike Nichols does that like they're funny yeah but in this really in in that kind of like uncomfortable uncomfortable way Charlie Wilson's War if you're if you're gonna split up the Mike Nichols canon here Charlie Wilson's War I kind of put in a class with like primary colors where well, yeah it's a true st- like these are true stories charlie wilson's war not being presented with any type of facade primary colors being a very thinly veiled totally. the thinnest uh, veiled. portrait of 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 the clinton oh oh unbelievable one of my favorite john travolta performances by the way yeah. uh in primary colors so i he's got this kind of weird like awkward 
comedy. Like it's funny, but it's funny in a really like strange, uneasy. Like the graduate is especially like uneasy. Heartburn is another one that he did that's like there's humor in it, but it's about a divorce. Heartburn, yeah. Not Heartburn's great. I, I really like Heartburn. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating movie, and I mean, clearly a great cast. You know, of course we have Jack Nicholson. Uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, and I'd say that the funny moments in that they're also just not ha ha funny. Right. Not not that I can yeah. remember at least. Right. No, the ha ha. So the like the Mike Nichols ha ha funny would be like the bird, the cage. bird cage. Yeah. Uh, even wor- like Working Girl. Working Girl has humor yeah. in it. Well, and I, I'm thinking like Joan Cusack, uh, you know, like she's very funny in it, but it, that's also Working kind Girl of Working like, Girl is a funny, yeah. Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver is so it, funny. Magnificent yeah. in it. Uh, you know, yeah, it's got like Working Girl is funny, but there's also, it, it, there's also a reality to it, uh, especially in 1988 when it, when it was released. So yeah, Nichols is. I mean, he he directed Catch Twenty, the film version right. of Catch Twenty Two. You know, one of the you know most famous satires of, sure. of all time. Uh, Carnal Knowledge was another one that kind of ha- had that weird, like humor to it, but yet it was also kind of uncomfortable. The kind of sexual. Uh, explorations of these characters and Jack Nicholson again. And well, I would also say that, you know, and I think this is one of his last ones, but uh, closer, not to be confused with the closer, but closer is like void of comedy (laughs) from what I remember. Um, yes, yes. Well, I totally, uh, it does not feel like a Mike Nichols movie at all. No, it's a very serious, intimate drama. I mean, there, there. I think there are a couple of comedic elements, uh, and I remember seeing the play. I'd seen the play uh-huh. a few times, uh, but no, yeah, Closer is really, really nice. Anyway, I mean, Mike Nichols is. I mean, Mike Nichols directed the the film version of Angels in America on, right. on HBO, like a laugh riot. A laugh. Yes, uh, AIDS has never been funnier. Uh, it's. But yet, but even in, but what, what the reason why Mike Nichols was a good match for Angels in America is because Angels in America actually does have a humor right. woven in to this, you know, very sprawling, serious story about, about like, about politics and AIDS and being gay in the 1980s, right. et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, you know, it, we could we could go on and on about Mike Nichols. We did. So, <laughs> yes. But point of the story here is it, and and you know, as as someone who went to this movie and maybe didn't get what they expected in 1994, it it shouldn't. Like I said, it shouldn't take. Uh, you know, almost 30 years and, uh, you know, education in film history uh, and and nuance to understand that Wolf is more of a comedy than a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I'm ever like in a situation where someone's just like, hey, want to watch Wolf? I'll be like, OK, I'll watch it. But as a comedy. 
Yeah, if you just watch it looking for like just for every every element in it. And it also like there were I don't know how many screenwriters involved with it. It, it was I think there were a total of like four. So I think there were differing visions. For it, uh, you know, like all over the place and what Nicholson wanted to make might not have been what Nichols wanted to make. Yeah, totally. Happens all the time. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I don't know if it's one kind of one of those like, oh, what could have been? Because I don't know if it wouldn't have necessarily been better. I think that it's a, I think a straight up hard. I think like. that it's a really great story. I don't know about great. It's a good story, but I, I just feel like it was kind of a mess. And, uh, mm-hmm. It almost felt like, uh, I don't know, like Jack Nicholson and James Spader were making like two different movies in a way. I don't know. The two of them also, it's a really interesting combo. Uh, and, and I think that there were just a lot of elements like like those age differences that really took me out of it. And it's, I don't know. Some of the- And again, yeah. it, it's an- it's another aspect where you look at it as, you know, when you look at it and you're like, oh, okay. So I know, you know, what, what Mike Nichols is all, is all about and thinking like, oh, well, like these affairs have nothing to do with the people involved. It's all about the positioning and, and their careers and their, and jobs, even though, which is, which gets confusing because Will and Laura, like it doesn't seem like he's just using her. No, no, not at all. Or vice versa, but it almost feels it, it because it definitely feels like Stuart is sleeping with with Will's wife more as a power move. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All you know, more for himself than for Will to catch on and kind of feel uh, cuckolded or something. It's more of just like yeah. a claiming claiming your territory and uh yeah right. and so i i don't know i think that there's just a lot of things about it that just kind of didn't sit right with me and that's okay that's okay you know what didn't sit right yeah. with me most of all the lack of david hyde pierce in every scene because he is he's there he's one of the underlings at the publishing company and uh or whatever it is that they do and uh he's he just Pops in and pops out. Yeah, underutilized. Not enough David Hyde Pierce. Not, not enough of that. The like wacky author who like I don't know if she's supposed to be like Danielle Steele. Oh right, right, right. Who's? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that actually, that would be I, interesting if you had it populated with all of these. Like, you contrast the the kind of this corporate publishing house with these like wacky artists that they represent. You know, I, I was, I was like. I want to see this mutiny go down. I want to like, that's the movie I want to watch right now. Like I want to see essentially like the paper, but with this office mm. that's in LA's beautiful Bradbury building. I, I want to see what's going on here. And maybe the main character happens to be a werewolf. I don't care. I didn't care about the wolf part of it as much as I cared about what's going on at this publishing house. Right. I'm serious. <laughs> I want to see more movies about I publishing do. houses. 
for the characters are werewolves. Yeah, so be I, I think it's really fascinating because you do get these different writers, all these different personalities, people who work in different genres. You know, I think that there's a, a, a lot more of a story to tell there than a werewolf story, which we've seen so many times. I like the idea of a movie where the where there are characters who are werewolves, but it's really has nothing. You really only know about it because like there are scenes that take place like at night or like during a, a full moon. And like there's a, there like there's a corporate event like, no, I can't make it. And then it's oh, yeah. And hey. then you, he's just like chained to a radiator sending emails. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> What's. You know, it's like, oh, what's Steve doing? And then just cut to him and he's just like... Bleh. Texting his friend. Yeah. 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 As as a werewolf. Just sending like werewolf gifts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, me. Nobody, colon, me. <laughs> uh, uh, the moon, colon, and it's like a full moon emoji. Everybody else, colon, nothing, and then me. And then it's... <laughs> Like the the gif of like Teen Wolf of him transforming. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, as Teen Wolf is well, I don't want to talk too much about Teen Wolf because I want to do a whole episode on Teen Wolf. I know. I, no, but, no, no, no. We'll but, talk about Teen no, Wolf sometime, but, but let's talk about the werewolf. Let's, let's talk about talk, the werewolf. All right, let's talk. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the the Wolf Man. Um, the Wolf Man. The Wolf Man. Okay, so this is to the 2010 remake of of the the Wolf Man. And it stars Benicio del Toro because I'm sure as soon as he popped on screen in Big Top Pee Wee as the yeah. quote unquote dog faced boy, someone said, We've got to do a werewolf movie with that guy. And, yeah. I, you know, I remember. Remind it, me in 20 years to make a movie where that guy is a werewolf. I mean, they were trying to make it for a while. I think, like, for a while, it was just like kicked around where it's like i don't know when it's gonna happen but at some point benicio del toro is the wolf man well Dan, i let don't me know what this. do you do you know if this is intended to be part of the like uni like the dark universe or whatever it is with like the the tom cruise the mummy that was a total honker and uh like the king kong and godzilla stuff that's been coming up lately so the the monsterverse, I think it's called the dark so, universe. The dark universe. Well, I feel like aren't the isn't like the Godzilla King Kong one different from like what they were gonna try to do with the uh, the Tom Cruise mummy, and I think the Invisible Man. The was the Bloomhouse Invisible Man supposed okay. to be part of that? I don't think so. So, uh. The actual film... Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. The actual films in the Dark Universe are The Mummy, 2017, and The Invisible Man. And upcoming films... So there's Renfield, which I know that that's been in production. Bride of Frankenstein, Dark Army, The Invisible Woman, Monster Mash, Frankenstein, Little... Wait, Little Monsters. Creature from the Black Lagoon, Van Helsing, The Wolfman. These are all... There's different there yeah. there is yeah i know there is a it's a derek uh cyan france or see i don't know how to pronounce his name um and ryan gosling uh collaboration really on werewolf <laughs> I, I i don't know if it's the same one but i remember i read i read that that was uh potentially potentially happening but yeah the dark universe uh 
And I'm looking at other articles. Collider, what went awry with Universal's Dark Universe? Like, I don't know if they're actually going forward with it. Den of Geek, an article, how hubris undid the Dark Universe movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because like because the mummy was just such a such a failure. <laughs> I watched it. I will say, you know, Tom Cruise is does his Tom Cruise thing. The woman who plays the mummy, uh, which is escaping me right now. I'm sure I can pull it up pretty quickly, but she was pretty great. Um, let's see characters oh no that's <laughs> that's just the character name I was like her name is princess no full credits let's see uh wow how come i can't find that actual character's name anyway doesn't matter i'm gonna figure it yeah. out but i think that it's like she did a, as good of a job as she possibly could given the script and you know the tom cruise of it all. i think that the the tom cruise of it all is what really did it in Sophia Butella. That's her name. She's fantastic. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll go on, you know, keep an eye out for her. Uh, so, okay. So the, the Wolfman, yeah, was, was not intended. They, so they had originally announced this in March, 2006. And, um, Benicio del Toro, I think was, was, uh, you know, kind of a driving, uh, driving force behind it, and they were gonna like Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven, was going mm. to do the do the screenplay, and Mark Romanek was going to direct it. Uh, I know Mark Romanek from music videos. I'm trying to think of uh, features that that he's directed. Um, oh, One Hour Photo, yes. Uh, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean among others, but yeah. So. Uh, and then like it was just like they were like all over the place with people and eventually it was Joe Johnston right. who wound up directing it. Now Joe Johnston was is was like kind of the like Steven Spielberg Jr. We've talked um, about him before. Yeah, we, well he yeah, he directed uh Honey I Shrunk the Kids, uh Jurassic Park 3, um The Rocketeer actually is probably where we my, talked about him. The Rocketeer, right. So I mean between the yeah, the and the Rocketeer, I think like Jurassic Park three might actually be my favorite Joe Johnson. Oh, he did. He did Jumanji. Um, uh, he also did Captain America, the first Avenger. Not for nothing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, which I don't. I mean, like I'm. I'm kind of all of these movies. Joe Johnston it is kind of like he puts on a he, he puts on a show. <laughs> and, he does what he's hired to do. Like. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you know, like, no more. No, than that's that. what I'm saying. Like, is he gets in there, he takes the script, he shoots very, the script, and then he makes the movie, and then that's done. It's always very like on the surface by the numbers. There's like there's a lot of I don't know attempt at mood, and and all this like it's this very gothic gothic horror movie or not even a horror movie because it's really oh is it just about a guy who works at a publishing house who happens to be a werewolf it is just about yeah that that's it yeah you know no 
yeah, it's it's um, you know it's it's about a um, you know group of doctors who work at a hospital, and you know a couple of them happen to be werewolves. Doesn't yeah. really. And it's like, nope, I nope, I can't do surgery. That is during the full Ooh, what's moon the date of that one again? I will not have steady hands. Can we reschedule yeah. for like one day after? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get into a waning moon there. Uh so it's it's a remake of the nineteen forty one where Lawrence Talbot is the is the Wolfman, and that's who Benicio del Toro plays. And it's he comes he he in in this version he uh, he comes back to England. He's he's estranged from his family, and his brother has gone missing. So his brother's fiance Gwen, who's played by Emily Blunt. Uh, I was about to say, messages him, uh, sends him a letter. And <laughs> she gets him on WhatsApp and lets him know. Wait, what's going do, on. when does this take and place? And oh, 1891. Okay. It's 1891. And Lawrence Talbot in this is a famous Shakespearean actor. Okay. He's kind of like. You know, after the whole John Wilkes Booth thing, it's like, who's going to be our big Shakespearean actor of the day? Oh, let's get this guy. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong with him. Um, and of course, the, it it digs into all of the old um, stuff about about Roma, um, you know, n- known in, in these archaic terms as gypsies. Right. Um but that it's part, which is which it's not. So the so werewolf uh, lore actually, um, you know, goes back to ancient Greece. It's where you see it popping up. But uh, usually in these movies, you have these, uh, you know, quote unquote gypsy caravans, and they someone knows something, and you know, it it even referenced in Transylvania six five thousand, uh, Madame Ruby. Um, when the moon is full, so he'll he, be there. <laughs> Life has <laughs> run its course. I sleep now. Uh, so I, I, he, it's so boring. Um, it's it's so boring. Basically, in this spoiler alert, like the the werewolf that they're trying to hunt down. Oh, and like Lawrence, of course, gets gets bitten becomes a werewolf and then they're like ooh who's the you know let's find the uh, you know who's the werewolf and as it turns out it is Lawrence's father John played by Anthony Hopkins oh Anthony Hopkins so uh yeah so then there's uh you know they they fight and uh you know Gwen eventually of course there's like an affair that happens with 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 Gwen, um, and which is it, his sister-in-law. Uh, well, it was going to be his sister-in-law. Was going but, to be his sister-in-law, right? Yeah, uh, and she. Uh, so she kind of she shoots him, and um, you know uh, saves him. And this movie, just like Wolf, ends with somebody else be who's going to become the next werewolf and in this case and this is where I'm like oh th- okay this is the movie I want to see it's the inspector who's coming to inspect these murders oh. inspector francis aberline played by hugo weaving oh the most australian looking person uh, the most australian looking man 
Speaking of Australians yes. and Baz right. Luhrmann. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. Tony Collette being the most Australian. The most Australian woman, looking woman. According, according to you. Yes. Uh, uh, but yes, Hugo Weaving, uh, and I, I love Hugo Weaving. Yeah, he's great. So, I'm like, oh, Hugo Weaving pops up, pops up. I'm like, okay, good. But I'm like, oh, he, he can't even make this uh, worth watching. So it, I don't think it's as long as Wolf, but it, it certainly sucks more. The title than, is longer. Yeah. By a few letters. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's just all, it's like, it's just there. It's just. No, it's, you're, you're saying exactly what everyone else has said. And that's that. It's not engaging. It's yeah. not engaging at all. So, uh, I, I, so I guess that leaves us with like, all right, so where, where are the werewolf movies today? And, um, I guess the most recent werewolf movie I've seen, because I haven't really watched much of The Curse, was uh, Werewolves Within. Where, which one was that? Which was the one with uh, Sam Richardson. Oh, right. That one was so good. Werewolves Within. That's a werewolf great. movie done right. Directed by Josh well, Rubin. It's, a different, it's, it's so good. It's a werewolf movie done differently and it's not it's and that not one is clearly a comedy werewolves. oh yeah yeah oh yeah so I, I mean so funny so good i didn't even get like and you know it, it's like at the end you, you get to the end you're, oh, this was just such a fun yeah. fun ride but i feel like there's got to be a way to do a werewolf movie without making it a comedy or a partial comedy like wh where because i think also like american werewolf in london was kind of funny um i'm like teen wolf is humorous can we have an actually scary werewolf movie i don't know if we can because i feel like there's something inherently hokey about those like transformation scenes and we've seen so many of them at this point that it's kind of just like, uh, all right, now here's where their fingernails grow and here's where the fur happens and the ears change. And, you know, we've seen it in Monster Squad. We've seen, you know, we see it all over the place. We see it, you know, it's, it happens all the time. And uh, even when it, they do it a little bit differently, like in the Twilight movies, it still doesn't work. It just looks like garbage. And so, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of faith for a an actual, like, scary werewolf movie. I don't. It's tricky. Uh, I, but I don't see... Look, why are you going to make a werewolf movie if it's not going to be scary? I, I mean, is it to make um is it, like what else are you gonna satirize or or or, or metaphorize? Well, Dan, do you want me to answer that question for you with Please my do. idea for this? Please do. Because I feel like it goes perfectly with what we're talking about right now. In my werewolf movie, and I would love it if there if they, we could involve a publishing house and you know, whatever, because that's fun too. That's another that's an entirely different movie. What I'm talking about is there is there are some people, maybe it starts off the same way where there's a you know an animal on the ground and someone's trying to help it and gets bit and uh, whatever. Somebody is, 
turns into a werewolf and it's i feel like and okay i i don't want to talk too much about teen wolf but i feel like it kind of has the element of teen wolf where it's exploiting the werewolf nature of it but in that one it's kind of like a hey this is a high school kid and now suddenly he's a wolf and everyone accepts it isn't and isn't entirely freaked out about it until like certain moments anyway so in this case they're just like they are figuring out like we should make a a werewolf movie. We don't need to do any special effects. It's going to be so cool. We're just, and it's like, it's the kind of werewolf where they are conscious still of who they are, but it's these, it's these people who are, you know, discovering this new, uh, shift that happens and they find ways to make it work. Maybe there is such a thing of like, you know, craving animal meat and they figure it out. And I feel like it's in a lot of ways, the same way that Santa Clarita diet handled zombies. Because I don't like zombie movies. I don't like zombie TV shows. But Santa Clarita Diet was a really great zombie show. And, uh, hey, maybe Timothy Oliphant could also be, do this one. I don't know. I'd love to see Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore team up again. That'd be great. And so, uh, yeah, I think it'd be really fun to have this moment where they uh, they are trying to make a scary werewolf movie an accurate werewolf movie and they actually have somebody who's a werewolf kind of like going along with it but it's not like oh that is michael j fox wearing prosthetics and a makeup it's like maybe a fully cgi wolf or it's a you know a more convincing looking werewolf type of situation but like still moving around and talking like a regular person so is this and uh, so, uh, so I'm, I'm hearing this and, and i'm I'm kind of jumping in and uh, a, a twist on it, on it perhaps. Cause we were talking before about like, what if you had a movie where it, it like it was just a regular movie and someone just happened to be a werewolf in it. Like, it sounds to me like this would almost be like some, uh, you know, young, you know, crew, like, you know, making a, making a college, you know, making a student film or something and, you know, like they're filming late at like, you know, they, they don't have permits. So they have to like, you know, sneak in They're They're filming something. And that's where like someone becomes a werewolf. And then it's like they kind of have to they kind of are trying to continue making this student film. But like, oh, all right. And now you're a werewolf. Yeah. So we're going to make that work. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like there's so many great like young actors right now who would be uh so good at this uh i mean hell go with the name and cast finn wolfhard he's got it in his name um <laughs> uh, but in addition to him i feel like uh and uh, oh speaking of santa clarita diet we've got skylar gizondo or however you say his last name who's amazing in everything that he's in uh mm-hmm. But there's also, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. I'm looking it up right now. But he is, uh, he's also in the movie Book Smart. Uh, he's the guy, oh, Eduardo Franco, who's also in Stranger Things this past season with like the really long hair. Oh, right. Oh, who does he? Uh, oh, okay. Skyler. Uh... Just it took me a second. Oh, is he Gideon on the yes, um, yes, right, just gemstones. gemstones. Okay. Yes, all right. Um, okay, so oh yeah, oh he would be yeah he'd be really uh, really good. In that. Who's the other one that you, that you were talking about? Yeah, Eduardo um, Franco. I'm putting his picture up to my camera right oh, now. Oh, 
yeah, yeah. yes. He'd yes. be so good. Okay. I feel like it'd be really fun and funny and uh that could that could just work, you know? Uh I'd really love to see something like that. Anyway. That would be fun. I would I would enjoy that. Or like, you know, yeah, just a and it almost reminds me, and it's not exactly, but it reminds me a little bit of Shadow of the Vampire. Uh oh, where, yeah, about yeah, the yeah. making of Nosferatu. Very, very different because this was you know, that was the making of an actual movie. And they were like, oh, this guy who's playing this vampire is really weird and kind of acts like a vampire. Were they? Yeah, I know. Were they just like, oh, we, we've got to make this movie because Willem Dafoe is so goddamn freaky. I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, <laughs> geez, what can't that man do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't and, know. And, 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 does he age? Uh, yeah, sure he does. Like, I feel like you have to go all the way back to Streets of Fire to see what a young Willem Dafoe well, looks like. Well, it's funny because like. when Other... you see, like, photos that come that go around online every now and then of, like, young Willem Dafoe and everyone's just like, hubba hubba. And it's kind of just like, yeah, Willem Dafoe rules. Like, yeah, yeah. he has kind of just, like, grown into a really interesting look, but... Still a good-looking dude. It's just that it's exasperated sometimes when he has to do movies like The Lighthouse or, you know, something, you know. But he's – and he's in just, like, like everything. Everyone wants to work with him. He's in, like, a million yeah. Wes Anderson right? movies and um, the aforementioned American Psycho. And anyway, we could go on and on about Willem Dafoe. And yeah. naturally, he has a place in any – in any movie that we would want to be made. Dan, does uh, he have a place in your idea for He's in the, the DC and the Marvel universes, Willem Dafoe. I mean, come on. Come on. He's in the uh, DC? So, what is he in the DC? He's an Aquaman. He's oh, like he right. plays I one of about Aquaman. like he like in Atlantis. He's a Sorry, little, he's a I only man. recognize the Vinny Chase Aquaman. <laughs> That's the one we all wanted to see, the James Cameron uh The James Aquaman. Cameron, yeah, Vinny Chase vehicle. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so my... Do you like my Vinny Chase? Look movie. at our Entourage recall. You even remembered who they were saying was directing it. Oh, oh yeah, because I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I remember, I, remember, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that at the time. Uh, so for me, it really came down to... Who do I want to see make a werewolf movie? Okay, and I was focused on the I, I was I, I would say I was focused on the horror aspect, but was trying not to go. I mean, because like naturally, uh, uh, Sam Raimi came to mind. Okay, uh, we had been discussing him recently, and. Uh, to see a Sam Raimi, I mean, like, look, like Drag Me to Hell, such a such a great horror movie. Yeah. I would love to see Sam Raimi, uh, like, just really go to town with a werewolf movie. I just want to, like, you know, give him uh, a truckload of cash and say, make a werewolf movie. Right. And I know it's going to be great. Uh, so and then I also been reading an art. I was also re reading an article about like, hey, let's bring back the werewolf movie. And they mentioned Ari Aster. So I, I I thought I'm like okay worth worth jotting down the name here on the list. I feel like Ari Aster has such a unique perspective and also just such a creative mind that like 
doing something using IP doesn't feel right. Right, but involving, like, doing something original and involving the idea. I mean, for that same token, like, Robert Eggers uh, could also be an an interesting choice. I feel like, though, it's like we're just kind of, you know, running down, down, uh, you know, the list. And, okay, Jordan Peele. Um, Definitely not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want him to do no. that either. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, I, although Jordan, if Jordan Peele was going to make a werewolf movie, it would be uh, the best metaphor werewolf movie. Uh, um, I was like, okay, jo- so John Krasinski, I thought he did some cool things with A Quiet Place. Um, Rob Zombie is always an <laughs> interesting choice. And I don't know if he's ever, if he's done uh, the werewolf thing. But then I, I kind of, so I ended up landing on, uh, two different pairs here on my like, okay, it's got to be one of these two. And first, so we talked about Stranger Things, the Duffer Brothers. Okay. When are we going to see something on the big screen from them? Because clearly they are capable of it. Yeah. And they are masters of of genre and identifying what elements they need to make things work. Stranger, all four seasons of Stranger Things have just had this wonderful sense of uh, awareness of of genre and an ability to take it, take what's old and make it seem fresh. But what I would like to see happen is like take out the you know the the references take the references out of it. And the references are some of what makes straight. I love watching stranger things. It's saying like, Oh, that's just like in, uh, you know, in Carrie or, Oh, this is all like a big dungeons and dragons game. Um, yeah. And I enjoy that with stranger things. Yeah. Did you hear? I would like to, sorry, go ahead. I would like to see them take something like a werewolf movie and just say, Hey, Here's the like same thing with 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 uh with Sam Raimi is just like okay Duffer Brothers here's here's the money what can you like here's the money here's the other werewolf werewolf movie got to be a werewolf movie go to it what are you gonna make what were you gonna say oh I was just gonna ask you if you heard about what the the Duffer Brothers recently acquired no they just acquired a um a giant rake for all of their cash because those dudes are swimming in it. They've got so (laughs) much stranger things money. They don't know what to do with it. Deservedly. So to be honest, like that show just keeps getting better. Uh, in my opinion. So I thought about the Duffer brothers. I'm like, they just, they know the right, they, they, they know the right notes to hit. They, they, they've proven themselves. So, and then I was also thinking about the Wachowskis. Oh, huh? and I I know, and I yes, okay, yes, the Ma- yes, we all know now. Yes, the Matrix was a metaphor for identity and um, be, being tra- identifying as transgender and going and it, that experience and and I, the Matrix, I'm sure, holds up still. But I think like this generation needs that. They need something like that 
for them and why why not like i think they're still you know like they're incredibly talented and creative filmmakers and you know maybe the matrix uh resurrections or rebooted or whatever it was uh i i enjoyed it um maybe it wasn't great but i think also maybe they they need to do something new and i think they should i i think like speed racer has has kind of it's speed racer has become one of those like this was ahead of its time and and we didn't really give it a chance when it came out um have you seen speed racer no but i was thinking about it literally today okay so uh speed racer is definitely worth checking out um yeah it is unlike i I, it's it's very unique so i'm not saying that they need to do anything unique because they also um as proven i would say with bound understand like the the wachowskis don't need massive special effects and like big convoluted like cloud atlas shit to make a compelling movie no so um so i think they would do something interesting with the the whole werewolf genre and, and idea. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't think I really, I think we're done going back to the Lawrence Talbot. Well of like, you know, the 19th century Gothic dare I say, um, castle out on the, out on the moors. moors. I, I feel like that's been, been done but i i don't know what else to do but i would like a i'd like some type of scary werewolf movie and to your point about the transformation scenes like maybe not showing the transformations could be more (laughs) terrifying than actually showing them and playing up the the mystery, playing up like the wolf nature right. of uh, and that that kind of that m- mystique. Um, so, oh, and then the other uh, oh, the other idea I had here, I didn't see it. Um, this is in my notes buried in my notes other idea i had they should re uh remaking the whole Lawrence talbot thing except where rather than him being a famous actor he is a struggling actor who all of a sudden starts getting jobs when he becomes a werewolf and it it, uh, is the reason why i didn't end up going it well it's teen wolf it's 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 teen wolf he gets into the school play (laughs) he's a he's a werewolf uh and he's not and he's not playing a werewolf in there. He's playing like a, a civil war. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. playing a union union soldier in the civil war. <laughs> so strange. Teen wolf. I'd see that. I'd see so, that play though. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I am on it. Oh, you know who else I would love to see take a stab at a werewolf movie? The Coen Brothers. Uh, first of all. If you take a stab at a werewolf, it's not going to kill it. You have to shoot it with a silver bullet. No, you have to shoot and it with a silver bullet. And second of all, bullet. yes, exactly. Coen Brothers, I want them to do anything they want to do. 
Well, I think about the Coen brothers and I think about genre and how they are. I mean, like, I think we think about the Coen brothers. We think about comedy. We think about kind of those, those like, you know, crime, the the no good nicks. Oh, the and, schmucks, the schmoes uh, and the no good nicks. Yeah. 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 But they've also done things like True Grit and No Country for Old Men and Blood Simple and Miller's Crossing. So Miller's Crossing, though. I feel like it does have some very Cohen-y things about oh, it. Yeah. Oh, the the I mean the dialogue especially, yeah. but yeah. Uh, John Polito being in it. Uh, but the Cohen brothers, I think, also have uh, our masters. Uh, and I rewatched The Man Who Wasn't There recently, uh-huh. which they make it in black and white. Yeah. Totally, like looks like it was made in in the late forties. It. And I, I actually think a Coen Brothers werewolf movie could be interesting because they haven't really dabbled in in horror or thriller, the supernatural. Right. Like That's Blood true. Simple is probably the closest they've come to doing a like thriller. Right. But think about the atmosphere of a Blood Simple, of the man who wasn't there. Sure. Barton Fink. Think about like the atmosphere yeah. of Barton Fink with a werewolf in it. Yeah, for Imagine sure. that Barton Fink was a werewolf. I'm sure that there's a, a case to be stated for, you know, you know, some some deep analysis on Barton Fink in that way. I would love to do it. I love Barton Fink. So that's uh, so that's where I am on the werewolf movie. It's less about the the it's less for me about the idea of, of the story. It's more about the creative mind and the kind of challenge of, okay, make a scary werewolf movie. Sure. Be okay. the first. Be the first. Uh, Dan, do you want to tell everybody what we're doing on our next episode? Oh, goodness. Yes, I do. We are going back to 1978, and we are going to take a look at the movie Magic, uh, starring Anthony Hopkins. The aforementioned. And the aforementioned Anthony Hopkins and directed by the non-aforementioned Richard Attenborough, Sir Richard Attenborough. And I am, uh, I'm, I'm excited to look, you know, who else? I've I never, think Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret's it. in it. Burgess Meredith is in it. I'm excited. Yes. I, uh, yes. I've never seen it and I'm really looking forward Neither to checking have it out. I. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so if anybody listening has any thoughts about any werewolf movies, really email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. In the show notes, you'll see a link to our link tree, and that will give you all of our social media and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, this is such a wide you know, subject matter that I'm sure that everybody's got some thoughts. Uh, and... That said, Dan, as you are chasing James Spader up a set of stairs, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Ow! Oh man, Trey, look up at the sky. It's a full moon on the Sabbath. This is scary. Break it down. I was working late on my half Torah when I heard a knock on my bedroom door. I opened it up. 
and to my surprise, there was a werewolf standing there with glowing gold eyes. He said, tomorrow, my son, you will be a man. But tonight's the time to join the Wolfen Clan. Tomorrow you will stand at the beamer and pray. But tonight, let's gaze at the moon and bathe. Werewolf for mitzvah, spooky, scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolf. Werewolf for mitzvah, spooky, scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. All right, that was that was great, Trey. Okay, it's over. That's a wrap. Oh. The next day, what happened? The Toma didn't teach. Oh, I man. got up in front of everyone to give my little speech. Then my teeth turned into fangs and my nails into claws. And I nearly dropped the Torah when my hands turned into paws. I growled and I roared and my rabbi did as well. It was a rocking werewolf zoo at Temple Beth Emanuel. Hey man, where'd you learn all these Jewish words? My manager, Harvey Lemmings. Werewolf vomits for spooky, scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. I don't. I, I just don't think this. The idea of the song can sustain itself for that long. It doesn't. It seems a little sweaty now. So this whole premise is sweaty. We had a reception at the Lachman Country Club. They served a real nice brisket and an eight-foot party sub. I danced with my cousins. I got money from my folks. We had a lot of fun making circumcision jokes. Uh -uh. Then I remembered the premise of my song. I was at a nice reception, but the werewolf part was gone. So we pulled ourselves together and we're wolfmen again. Just in time for Monster Fight to begin. No. All the country club employees were brain-sucking pack. Who had all turned into zombies and were on the attack. No. So we fought them and some Draculas and Frankensteins too. Cause you gotta love Bar Mitzvah even if you're not a There's no such thing as Frankensteins. Spooky, scary, no boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. Werewolf farmers for kooky, hairy, boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. I don't want this, I don't like this, this is scary. Turning into werewolves and stuff, you know? I don't know, Trey, I'm not feeling it. This ain't no dick in a box. Mazel Tov.